0: Hello and welcome. This is the Book of Acts by Word Online. Well, welcome to this episode as we come very near to the end of our incredibly dramatic story of the church in the Book of Acts and its growth and development. And if you've been following what I've been teaching, you'll know that in series six, we have Paul's focus on moving from Asia Minor or Turkey and Greece, where he was working before, to Rome. He felt prophetically God was calling him to go there, that's the capital city of the empire. Uh, He wanted to meet the church there, he wanted to testify about Christ, even possibly to the Roman emperor himself. And so we've been following the story In series six, with many dramatic incidences, because of course, first of all, he went to Jerusalem where he was arrested, and there was a riot in the temple, and he was nearly killed, and then he was detained there for a couple of years in prison, and then he appealed to the imperial court in Rome as a Roman citizen, so the governor was forced to uh, send him to Rome. And that's what brought about the events we've just been looking at the sea journey across the eastern Mediterranean, and the incredibly dramatic shipwreck. If you were with us in our last episode, you will have heard me retell this extraordinary story of the survival of Paul and everybody on board the ship. Let me just retell the story briefly again, especially if you didn't hear the last episode. So they took a journey from the province of Judea, Modern Israel um, by sea along the coast of countries which are now Lebanon, Syria, southern Turkey. Changed ship um, uh, at a, at a town uh, port there called Mysa, and then went to um, to Crete. And uh, the journey seemed to be going okay, but from that from that time. Uh, problems arose and in the last episode I described an incredible journey from Crete as they were pushed by violent storms and extreme winds Uh, westward, across the Mediterranean and the, the captain and the sailors lost control of the ship more or less. They had to throw things overboard the ship, there were 276 people on board the ship and it looked as though the ship could sink at any time. And so we have this incredible story where they didn't see the sun or the moon because of the storm clouds and the rain and the hurricane winds and strong winds for many days at a time. And then at the end of the last episode, I recounted how they were shipwrecked on the island of Malta, which is immediately south of Italy, the central country in the Roman Empire. But the survival of everybody was nothing short of a miracle. And Paul anticipated a miracle because whilst the ship... Was uh, in this storm, he had a a remarkable experience when an angel of God appeared to him, uh, Acts 27, verse 24, and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. We read at the end uh, of the last episode, at the end of Acts 27, how the ship actually broke up just offshore in Malta, and the captain forced people to jump off the ship if they could swim or get hold of a piece of the ship as it was breaking up to hold onto it, and they just drifted ashore. But all 276 people survived, which is nothing short of a miracle. Many of them couldn't even swim. They had 50 to 100 meters to go probably to get ashore, but every single person got ashore safely. What an incredible story that was. It was a miracle. But they arrived in Malta with nothing. They were like refugees. And Malta is a relatively small island, and the population of Malta at about this time would perhaps have been about 5,000 people, or perhaps slightly larger than that. And when the Maltese people found that 276 refugees had landed um, uh, on their shores after their ship had been sunk and they'd lost everything. That was a very sudden and surprising experience for them. And we'll see what happens in this episode as Paul, his companions, the Roman guards who are guarding him, the sailors on the ship and the other passengers all arrive in the island of Malta. We're gonna read the first six verses of Acts 28 and pick up the story uh, there. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god." Well, let's just think a little bit more about this scene. These islanders in Malta, They lived a a quiet life, Uh, they had a small population, they were uh, under the authority of the Romans. The Romans had a ruler there. Uh, We'll meet the ruler in this episode in in just a moment. Um, They had uh, considerable engagement with uh, sea trading because of their ports and the fact that it was a place of transit to go uh, between Italy and other parts of the Roman Empire. So this was a quiet, steady, community living relatively securely uh, under the watchful eye of the Roman authorities. But we notice here that as this sudden influx of people came, the islanders, interestingly, are very friendly. There's a very positive side to this story, And it's a really significant story for us in the modern world, where we have so many refugees in the modern world. There are now more refugees and migrants in the world today than at any time since the end of the Second World War, for all sorts of reasons. People are moving. And here here we have people who were suddenly shipwrecked and in real need because they brought virtually nothing uh, uh f- with them from the ship, because of the disastrous circumstances of the shipwreck and the the initial welcome of the islanders is great. They make a big fire, they want to uh, get people to th- their clothes to dry out they would be extremely cold, extremely wet, extremely shocked they'd come through a storm that was uh, in the night time, so they'd been they'd experienced all this uh, under the cover of darkness which was very disorientating for them and this huge fire was built by the islanders who were nearby uh, at the place of landing. And of course Luke was there. You'll remember that I've told you that in many parts of the book of Acts Luke is an eyewitness and we know for certain that he was on board the ship with Paul and he watched everything that's happened. He was one who had to get ashore we don't know whether he could swim or whether he had to get a bit of a plank off the ship to to get ashore but but he got ashore safely and luke was always observing great observer and he he wrote down all sorts of very detailed things about what happened especially in this last part of the book and we know and can be confident these things happened because Luke actually saw it and he wrote it down for himself. And so there's this remarkable circumstance. Interestingly, Paul is immediately on the front foot if they're building a fire, he'll help. This is the character of Paul, a man full of energy, full of engagement. He's been helping the sailors and the soldiers and the other passengers on the ship. He's been encouraging them, comforting them, telling them everything's going to be okay, he's been thinking of them and not just his own safety. Now, once, the, once they get ashore, he doesn't just let the islanders gather the wood, he's, he's helping to gather the wood himself. Here is the heart of the man Paul, just in that tiny little detail. But then comes the snake. And in the ancient world, as in many modern cultures in the developing world today, snakes have a big symbolism and significance. And obviously they're feared. Many snakes are poisonous and can kill you. And uh, they were very concerned when a snake attached itself to Paul, and they wondered whether this was a sign from the gods that they believed in, that somehow or other this man, they didn't know anything about him at the time, who'd, who'd come off the ship was actually secretly a, a murderer, a criminal, and that this was a divine act of justice, Um, uh, in order to identify him and that the snake was going to bite him and then he would die. And they were watching to see what would happen, as people do today when people are bitten by a snake. Sometimes you just have to watch and see what's going to happen. But the snake wasn't on Paul's body or his arm for long. He threw it, uh, shook it off and threw it back into the fire. And as they watched and they watched and they watched, nothing happened. And so they change their opinion very quickly. Such is the way with people who are superstitious, and we all know that in many cultures there's a lot of people who are superstitious about certain actions, and they thought, well if he can withstand a snake that's attached itself to him, maybe he has miraculous powers, maybe he's even a god who's landed on our island. Maybe even this incredible circumstance of this shipwreck is some kind of a divine sign. Maybe he's come to the island to help us in some way. This was the thinking of the uh, people round the fire, the local people. They believed in all sorts of gods and goddesses. And the one Uh, uh, referred to here in verse 4, the goddess Justice is (coughs) a Roman goddess, Justicia, who at that time had a temple and a statue in the city of Rome uh, and was often pictured with scales, weighing scales, holding weighing scales, which of course is the symbol of justice in many cultures. And so they were thinking of this goddess. Was she going to judge this man for being a murderer? But then, no, he, he didn't get any sickness. He didn't get a snake bite, He or he miraculously uh, escaped from it. And so they changed their opinion. And being superstitious people, they thought maybe he's got miraculous powers. This is the sort of thing that happened to Paul from time to time amongst the uh, communities that he evangelized. There's a similar situation that took place in the city of Lystra as recorded in Acts 14 verses 11 to 12. When Paul had performed a miracle, it says in Acts 14, when the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laaconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. So there's another instance when people, once they think you've got miraculous powers, attribute great authority to you as a prophet or even a God visiting the earth. And the ancient people in the Roman Empire were always hoping that the gods would appear to them in human form, not be far away in their temples, but would actually appear in order to help their communities. So this is one of many very dramatic things that happens to Paul. You go through the book of Acts and there's drama on every page. Miracles Uh, risky situations, narrow escapes, and here is another one. And from this story, we move on to something more significant even than that. But this was a positive start. The islanders have welcomed the people gladly and uh, their attention is immediately drawn to Paul. Out of all the 276 people, they're thinking already about Paul. And now we come to Paul and his companions meeting the Roman ruler, the chief official of the island. Let's read verses 7 to 10. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality For three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured They honoured us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. Well, Publius is ruling over Malta. It's a small island with a small population, but every island in the Mediterranean had some kind of ruler looking after it on behalf of the Romans. Now, (coughs) Publius welcomed Paul and his companions into his house. It doesn't appear that he welcomed 276 people into his house, which of course would not be practical. It appears that he picked out Paul and his companions, and probably the Roman guards as well, who were the most senior people Uh, on the ship and were responsible for Paul's safety. Remember that Paul is a prisoner still. Uh, The guards are still responsible for him and their job is to get him to Rome. So despite all the circumstances of the shipwreck, he's still officially a prisoner under guard and on his way to Rome. We don't know what happened to the two hundred and seventy-six. What we do know is that the time of year now was about November and in the winter time, ships, generally speaking, didn't sail. And so the whole group of people, the whole 276, were confined to Malta for about three months. So they must have found lodging and accommodation in different places, and we don't know all the details. What we do know is that the chief official, Publius, um, uh, took an interest in Paul and his companions and invited them to his house and gave them hospitality. But then, of course, a characteristic thing happens, which happens so often in Paul's ministry. The, the, The key that unlocks any situation Is a miracle. And this is a very personal situation. Publius's Publius's father is sick in bed with fever and dysentery. And and Paul invites himself, no doubt, to go and meet his father and to talk to him. And Luke is there, bearing in mind that Luke is a doctor. So he's an eyewitness and he's also a doctor, and he's also there when Paul is talking to this man. They talk together, Paul prays for him, and Paul characteristically lays his hands on him, and amazingly, his fever leaves him, energy comes back, and his body comes into order, and he feels better immediately. This would be probably quite an old man And, of course, the effect on the chief official, Publius, is amazing. He can't believe that there's been this shipwreck, this man's come into his house, and his father, who's been very worried about, suddenly has completely recovered. So this is an open door for Paul to share about Christ, no doubt, to Publius and his household. But, as so often happens in these situations, News gets out very, very quickly to the islanders. It's only a small island, and as I mentioned, we probably have about 5,000 people in the community. News gets out that this amazing man who managed to avoid dying from a snake bite, who is probably a god of some sort or a prophet, has been to the chief official and has healed his father. And so people begin to come to Paul, and they bring their sick people to him. And he starts praying for people, and this must have happened over a number of days. And we don't exactly know where Paul is staying because there were three days in the house of Publius, but we don't know where he stayed for the next three months. But some accommodation would be found for him, and probably all the way through that time, people kept coming to him and saying, can you pray for my father? Can you pray for my mother? Can you pray for my child? Can you pray for this sick person in my family? And many people were healed. Very remarkable circumstance, which reminds us of something very similar that happened in Jesus' ministry. On one occasion in the early part of Jesus' ministry, he was staying at the household of Peter, his chief apostle as recorded in Matthew 8, verse 14. And his mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. Very similar circumstance. A relative is in bed and uh, Jesus comes and heals the mother-in-law and then the story goes on. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Miracles open up. Opportunities and draw people's attention to the fact that the kingdom of God has actually arrived in a remarkable way. Luke records this very, very carefully and with great interest. And we find that Paul becomes very well known across the island almost instantaneously. The whole community is aware of who he is. And God begins to move through these circumstances. Luke doesn't specifically say what happens through Paul's preaching, but undoubtedly he would have preached about Jesus Christ in this context. And there would have been people coming to faith at that time. And all the history and tradition of Malta from that day to this suggests that a church was started in Malta as a result of Paul's visit. And there is an early church tradition that suggests that Publius, the chief official of the island, um, also became a Christian and perhaps became a church leader in Malta. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but some early church tradition says it. So this suggests that Paul had a significant impact on this island and it's had a strong Christian tradition from that day till today. Verse 10 tells us that during these three months, there was such a good relationship between Paul and his companions and the islanders that they honored us in many ways. Now, what would this mean? Hospitality? Gifts? Maybe some sightseeing around the island? What a wonderful experience they had three months of relative peace and security. What a total contrast to the ship journey. The time spent at sea was turbulent, difficult and dangerous for Paul. But for three months, they had a peaceful and positive time in Malta. And as they were getting ready to leave, The Maltese citizens gave them many gifts and supplies for the final part of their journey. And the next verse just concludes our story for us. Verse 11, after three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with a figurehead of the twin gods of Castor and Pollux, A ship from Alexandria, probably another ship carrying grain, because Alexandria supplied grain from Egypt to Rome. And off they went on their journey. And we'll talk about the final part of the journey in the final episode next time. But in the meantime, let's just think, what can we learn from this rather unusual and quite interesting story, rather surprising story? Uh, at the end of uh, the book of Acts. First of all, it tells us something about when we as Christians end up in unexpected circumstances and places. Has that happened to you? Paul was never expecting to go to Malta. It wasn't part of the itinerary. It wasn't the intention to land on the island. It happened purely through the storm at sea. Paul never expected to be there. And we find in our lives there are, as Christians, there are things that we just don't expect to happen. They're not in our plan. Maybe a very difficult circumstance. You maybe have to leave your town and move to another area. There may be persecution and difficulties for you. There may be some health challenge that changes your job situation. There may be some fundamental economic problem in your country that forces you to leave the country. There can be so many different circumstances that can affect us and cause us to be in unexpected circumstances and places. But what we learn here is that Paul always embraced the unexpected. He took it as an opportunity, even if it was difficult. So he embraced the problems of the voyage at sea and then came an unexpected blessing at the end, three months of profitable activity for the gospel and rest in Malta. So let's embrace unexpected circumstances and places that we have to go to and trust that God is in it even if we don't understand why we got to that position. Second reflection I have from this episode is that the church always needs to overcome uh, superstition, folk religion, and witchcraft. And here we have the folk religion and the superstition of the Maltese people uh, described in the first part of our episode. And the gospel overcame by miraculous acts and the proclamation of Christ, and we must seek to do the same. A third reflection I have on this concerns the status of Christian leaders. Paul was sometimes treated very badly, and disrespected. But sometimes he was highly acclaimed, and he was considered even to be a divine figure. Here is one instance, there's another one that I mentioned in Lystra in Acts 14. What is the right way to understand Christian leaders? Well, the honor and respect that the Maltese gave Paul was appropriate. It's appropriate to honor Christian leaders. But to give them a very high status and consider they have sort of divine powers is always a terrible mistake because leaders ultimately, church leaders, are servants of the people they are looking after and reaching. Jesus said that even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Mark 10, verse 45. So honoring and respecting leaders is good, but putting putting them on a pedestal where we give them almost divine status or prophetic status that can't be questioned is always a mistake and dangerous. And we need to find that balance, because ultimately Christian leaders are servants. And my final reflection as we bring this episode to an end is to be very appreciative of the fact that here is a very favourable response to the Gospel amongst the Maltese people. And Paul has not always had a favourable response. Many times the opposition to Paul has been such that he's had to leave the area quickly, and many people have opposed him, often the Jewish people, as we've seen throughout the Book of Acts. But here, the gospel has an open door. And in God's providence, sometimes and in some places, the gospel has tremendous success and reaches whole communities in an absolutely miraculous way. And that's what we should be praying for in our countries and in our areas for those times. We know that it doesn't always happen, but it can happen. And it did happen in Malta. Even in that three-month period, an incredible amount was achieved for the gospel. But our story is not finished. Paul is not yet in Rome. And that's what is going to take place in our final episode. And I very much hope you'll join us for it. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.